we don't always podcast, but when we do, it's usually after a WWDC or a fall iPhone event. We're not weekly. We're not really any cadence, but we are at minimum a semi-annual podcast. Well, here's what happened. We were doing good. Back in February, we got back on track. I think we even released an episode two weeks in a row. And then um, the U.S. caught up with China and Italy in what we now know as Armageddon. And then the rest of the world, too. I mean, perhaps China and Italy the most. Brazil's giving them a run for their money now. And we are... Well, I think we are giving... We are, I think we're no, no, giving no. everybody. We, we are the, the Usain Bolt, right? We're slowing up just so that people can feel better about themselves at this point, except we're not slowing up. We won't allow anyone to get close to first. We will be first in everything. I've had a really... I've had a really difficult time in during all this in that I've been very happy. So you've had a difficult time not having a difficult time is what I'm hearing. Yes, because everybody else seems to be having a difficult time. And so when I say I'm having a difficult time, it's it's more that I I'm having a difficult time making sure that I don't, you know, make people feel bad because I feel good, if that makes sense. Yes. Because yes. I don't want to be well, a jerk. That's, that's very considerate of you. I'm trying. I'm trying, which makes it easy because I'm not around people. So, you know, there you go. there's far fewer opportunities for me to screw this up. Have you uh, backspaced some Slack messages here and there? Um, yeah, I did the other day. I Actually, just Tuesday. Um, because... I have a I have a Slack with with uh, some other friends, and you know you're special, Philip, because we just have our own Slack, just me and you, kind of like me and my, my wife. <laughs> yeah, I mean you're like at wife level because you know I'm not I'm not in a Slack with just one other person except for my wife. Um, but I have a Slack with with a couple of friends, and you know we were doing like breakfast every Tuesday back when you had breakfast and ate at restaurants and things like that, um, and. But you can still have breakfast. Well, Just we were can't have it at a restaurant, right? Well, you know, we don't want to meet at each other's houses. That's ugh. no, no, no. I'm um, just saying, like, you can still eat breakfast. Period. Well, but, full stop. I really don't, though, unless I'm like going out with someone. Because okay, I, w- I wake up, I just want to have coffee and some water, and then around lunchtime, then I'll eat. But anyway, they wanted to have lunch. Like, you know, we haven't had a meal together with these folks just our you know like group of four people since i don't know february or or early march maybe and this is the last save it for the show episode i mean probably time right yeah yeah it it probably coincided pretty uh closely there anyway they were wanting to go to lunch they were planning it out and i was just like i'm out and they didn't give me a hard time about it but um, there may have been some like emoji reaction on my, cause all I said was I'm out. I didn't give a reason. I just said I'm out. And the other three, they all went. And when I saw the emoji reaction, I won't name names or, or <laughs> say what the emoji reaction was. My first thought was, and I started to type it. Um, but I didn't because what I was going to type was, well, you know, I've, I've got a lot of work. Like, I mean, I was swamped that day. I really did. I had a bunch of work to catch up on. And 
the the three other people in the slack with me one is unemployed the other is on furlough for the second time and the other one is about to start a new job so basically he's unemployed i mean he's still employed but he's about to move and and start a new job so i just thought maybe i don't need to be like guys i'm sorry i'm just so swamped with work and and having a having a job over here i'm 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 sorry so i didn't i didn't bring it up is what i'm trying to say now one of the people in that group might actually listen to this so i'm trying to be as delicate as i can be very well well good good job with the tact levi not something i get to say often i know right it's so much easier when i'm not around people i can really rein it in it sounds like the pandemic's really bringing out the best in you. It is. And it's so weird. That's what I'm saying is I'm, I'm happy and I'm, I'm like, I'm really hitting my stride here, Philip. And I have to be careful because people don't want to hear about you really living it up right now. Yeah, it, it is really interesting, just to talk pandemic very briefly, that the whole world is experiencing something all together, all at the same time. That is true. Right. But it is a totally different experience, like a diametrically opposed different experience for a family like mine where I can work from home and my wife is got to go to the hospital to do her stuff, you know? And so we're still working both jobs and we're still bringing home the same money and the government's sending us money because we're citizens and... They didn't differentiate, of course. And then other people where they've got like exactly the opposite going on. And so, yeah, it's kind of like, hey, we're all in this together. But at the same time, just like, you know, CEOs dealing with the pandemic too, but not in the same way we are. They're just like, well, it's kind of getting crazy in this city. I think I'm going to go to this other city, move into that house. (laughs) Right. It's the Mike Wilbon effect. Well... I'm just going to go out to my house in Arizona uh, instead of being in Washington and uh, I'm just never going to come back, (laughs) which is basically what's happening to me. I'm very convinced that I'm, I don't, I I, honestly, I don't think I'm ever going to work full time in the office again. The longer this goes on, the harder that's going to be for me to ever go back to that. I I just, and I don't think our company is going to, I think things are just going to change with, with, especially IT companies like like I work for, we're doing fine in terms of our workforce being able to de- to deliver on their work from home. I mean, we have a really lenient work-from-home policy anyway, but I'm just not going to be surprised if there are changes to that and people can decide. I mean, especially until until there's a vaccine, you can't make people come back in to the office. I mean... You can, but I think the company I work for, they're not going to do that until there's good reasons to do that. So, yeah, it's, it's very interesting companies that, and there's quite a few of them that are able to do every bit of work. It's not like they're able to do like the 80% that's really required and this 20% has fallen through the cracks. It's like, no, like we're, we're doing everything. I mean, like our, our company, you know, it's, I guess Axiom is the same as we're doing every single bit of work from home that would have been done from the office. And so at that point, like you say, it's kind of like, well, we definitely want to rush back because the impact of rushing back and going back too soon 
is extreme. I mean, that's it's it's a high impact if you go back too soon. And what's the impact of like not rushing back? I don't know. We keep getting done the work that our company does. So not much of one at all. And then comes the ultimate question of like, well, but if that's true, you know, into the foreseeable future, then why, why you got a bunch of people in offices in the first place? That's not cheap. No. Yeah, certainly. I mean, in fact, our company closed one of its offices and we didn't lay anyone off. You know, it was just, hey, we weren't really using this office before and now we're definitely not. So why do we need it? But to echo back to um, previous part of the conversation, you and I say that being able to work in a room separate from our children with someone to take care of said children while we work. And some people have a lot less rooms, maybe even more children, less help with said children. So that could be a great reason to have an office. Yeah, it is true. Yeah, when, I, when I'm when i in meetings with folks, um, I'm definitely hearing a lot of, this is really hard. I'm, I'm not, I don't know how to homeschool my kids. Like, this is just really difficult. And I mean, that's just another just random perfect scenario for me is that I'm kind of already designed for this because we, we homeschool. So this isn't, none of this has been a big change for any of us, our kids or, or me or my wife. The only difference really is that I'm home all the time now. So, I mean, it's a positive change. I think, I think for my, for my family, (laughs) but, um, I, I guess I just had a unique set of factors, homeschooling being one. And then the fact that I, I just wanted to work from home anyway. Like I'm just uniquely designed to do this. That's made it a great experience for me. And I know that's not the case for like most of the people in the world, including most of the people that that I, I work with in a, in a direct team. And my boss has, has put it very, um, she's framed it for me very well in that like, you know, all the times that you're in big meetings and, uh, you know, like town halls that you don't want to go to. Well, now we're all feeling that that feeling of like, man, we're missing out. We want to be with people. And I get it. I'm like, OK, yeah, that makes sense. This is like the, the tables have turned for all of you. Do you feel stressed by WWDC? Do I feel stressed by it? Yeah. How, how do you mean? So I feel some amount of stress that it is just so much at once that I feel like I'm trying to comprehend and absorb and think about. And then I'm listening to podcast after podcast and my podcast queue gets really hot and heavy during this week all at once, you know, because it's kind of like the day of and the day after and a little bit the day after that. It's just all crammed. It's kind of like, you know, usually, usually here's the podcast cadence and, you know, I've got some shows I listen to that come out Friday, some shows that come out Monday and everywhere in between, but right. The keynote is on Monday. And so there's a whole bunch of shows that usually come out later in the week that move up to Monday. And basically it's all like Monday and Tuesday, you know? And so I don't know. I just, I just, and, and, and it's, I want to listen to them all. And at the same time, they're all quite similar. And so I feel like I'm hearing the same things over and over again with just a little bit different twist. 
and and so it's kind of like yeah there's this i get i get this like big huge massive amount of stuff and it's just kind of over and over and over again and i enjoy it but it also makes me like a little antsy just because i mean in part because like i'm too i just think too much and my mind just races when there's too much information um and and it's all just very interesting information and i I don't want to like throw any of this information out it's not like i just want to like only you know i I don't want to ignore any of it but at the same time it's it's a little uh it's a little much sometimes yeah no i get it because like you said it it just all seems to hit at once and then I don't know if you listened to John Gruber's podcast yet, but he had Craig Federighi and he had Jaws on. And at the end, they were talking about how, you know, they really liked being able to sit down in that kind of a format because they just, for one, they designed this to be shorter than it's been the last two years. Um, I think they even said it was like 30 minutes shorter than what they've been averaging the last few WWDCs because they knew you know, people aren't going to be able to pay attention to this if it goes longer than two hours. So that means there's so much stuff that they could not get to more so than they've been faced with the last few years. So there's so much information that's probably being dropped in these these podcasts this week that we just didn't even see because it wasn't in the keynote because it just couldn't physically make it into the keynote this year. Um, so yeah, I kind of get what you're saying there. That is a little stressful because you're like, man, what am I missing out on? There's probably some other things that I'd be excited about that I don't even know because I'm not going to go watch all of these, you know, developer sessions or I, I'm probably not going to listen to all of these podcasts. I think what you have to do in that scenario is kind of pick the voices that you, not necessarily like relate to the most, but maybe you just find like, well, here's my set that's really going to be focused on Mac OS. And then here's my podcast that I'm going to get really good information about, about iPad OS, because that's what these people care more about. And to me, that helps a little bit because I'm like, I'm not going to listen to five or six or seven of these things. I'm just going to be like, this is the one I'm going to listen to, to get a little deeper dive into iPad OS. And then, you know, here's my Mac OS crew i'm gonna listen to that one i don't know that's how i kind of try and juggle it because like i've told you on in slack i've been very brutal with my podcast listening habits so i'm probably my cue probably isn't as stacked up with these type of episodes as, as yours is well i suppose that my reaction to that is any tech podcast i'm listening to is because i enjoy listening to those people talk about tech and if I enjoy listening to someone talk about tech, I want to know their feelings about all this stuff that just came out at WWDC. Otherwise, I would never listen to their podcast. So, I don't know. I guess it's kind of a little catch-22 because it's uh, it's kind of like it becomes a little much. But at the same time, it's, you know, I mean, I guess it's a little bit like too much of a good thing. Man, that's where I'm at. I don't get as stressed out about this as you do. <laughs> no, you're know. better at uh, you're better at compartmentalizing your compartments. That's true. I am. I compartmentalize Some... to tech, and then I just get all these global thoughts and trying to 
make connections everywhere. And anyways, some people might say I compartmentalize too many things and then just stick them somewhere and never go back and, and open them again ever. Yeah, I'll say that if you need me to say that. Uh, all right. So just some thoughts overall, like we're, we're not going to go through every single thing. Um, we just don't have the time because, you know, look, it's been five months. Wait four months since we've had a podcast, but we have to do it for WWDC. We're not going through everything, but what are your, I don't know, just your top thoughts about the the presentation as a whole. It was very, a very different experience this year. Well, my thought uh, number zero before I share any of my other thoughts is the video that Apple put out that Serenity Caldwell uh, to the voiceover for that summarized every speaking of an enormous amount of stuff summarized all the high points of the keynote in one 90 second video and you get to see all of it you know flash by a little bit but um i would definitely recommend checking that out if you don't have time for the for the keynote which is you know almost two hours um, but that 90 seconds gets you a long way there um, very, very quickly. I haven't watched, um, any of them yet, but I've, I saw some, you know, seemed like people were really into them. I can give you my overall feelings about it is I just enjoyed the package, you know, like I really enjoyed it. It's kind of how I feel about a lot of things that are going on right now. Like I kind of don't want restaurants to go back to normal in terms of, Hey, let's just keep the family packs around all the time. You know, like why do we not have these under normal circumstances? These are great. We don't just need these during pandemics. Let's keep them around. That's how I feel about a lot of things happening right now, including the way they handle WWDC. I, I think a tighter, more focused, um, less stressful situation for the presenters. Like I think, there are more pros for this type of thing than there are cons. There's definitely some cons to it, but to me, I mean, man, you're really getting the message they want to put out there. And if you're watching this, that's why, that's why you're there anyway. You know, like why would you be watching it? Or I know there's probably people that hate watch these things, but that's not me. So I'm there. Feed me what you want me to know. Tell me what you want me to know about these new products and these new features in the software. I really enjoyed the way they packaged it. I thought it, it looked great. I mean, <laughs> there was a lot of really cool stuff they were doing just in the background and the way they were incorporating, still having these graphics uh, in, in the presentation, but it was obviously you weren't switching full screen as much to, to these slide notes and all that stuff. Uh, I just really liked it. And I liked that it was shorter too. Now, again, you know, we're probably missing out on some things we would have gotten um, if it, if it had the ability to be a little longer, but overall, I just really enjoyed the way that they delivered it. I, I really enjoyed the format. They actually, I think they fit more into the hour and 50 minutes that they had than they ever have in any other keynote, because they definitely talked faster than when they present on a stage. And I feel like they paced it at a speed that they understood that this isn't going to be the one and only time that you see this, uh, you know, cause for most, especially cause their audience is so full of a lot of journalists too, at the 
keynote when they present and they've got journalists that are obviously, you know, live tweeting the keynote and taking notes for articles later. Um, and, but I think that they, I think they put this presentation together this year with an understanding that, listen, if you want to rewatch a part and kind of slow it down and do a little snippet, then you're, you, you know, you're at home. You're not, you're not going to be, you know, out with people and, uh, you know, having all that time away, um, like people usually have at WWDC. And so I suppose that's part of what I, why I think that it's so, it was so much at once because it was a little bit quicker paced. And I think it was also that it was, it was all well. And I didn't, I didn't cover, I didn't follow rumors as much this year as I usually do. Um, decently purposefully and also because it's just I just didn't have a whole lot of time um, necessarily that I was just like finding something to do which is usually when I'm going to read blogs and stuff and so I went in even though stuff even though stuff did get leaked especially like the day before or the morning of stuff really leaks at that point Um, but I didn't see any of that before I watched the keynote and so I think it was a lot more stuff that I just didn't know anything about, which is nice, um, but is a whole heck of a lot all at once. I really, I love what they've done with iOS. Um, I mean, to me, like picture in picture, I've been talking about for a while uh, because I I love it in the Twitter app and I love it in ESPN app and I love it in even YouTube where you can throw one down and go look for your next video or um, so to have it system wide just makes all the sense in the world to me and I know that if 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 I want it and it's totally doable for me on an SE I can't imagine how frustrated any other owner let alone a, a 11 pro max is that what they're called um uh, you know, that big old, big old phone, how you would feel about that, where obviously there's room for a a video stream that you could actually totally see. I mean, for me on an SC, it's mostly just because I just want the audio, which a lot of the videos I watch are just interviews or, you know, news reports. And so, you know, yeah, I probably need to see this one little snippet where they actually show what they're talking about. But after that, I just need to listen to them talk about it. So, um, so I, I'm really, really, really happy that they incorporated that. And of course, you know, it's done great and you can move it all around and you can, I love that you can just throw it off. I mean, speaking of just, if you want to listen to it, then you can just throw it to the left and it's just, uh, hanging out over there and you still get your full screen. So I'm pretty, that. I'm pretty lucky in that my, my, my mom doesn't use an iPhone. So when, when they announced that feature, well, first of all, I was very happy for you because now I don't have to hear you complain about it anymore. Um, but secondly, <laughs> so you're really just happy for yourself is what I'm hearing. Well, you know, you phrase it however you want to phrase it. I'll <laughs> phrase it the way I want to phrase it. Um, secondly, Charitable. my, my, my first thought was, Oh man, I wonder how many people are gonna, or how many like Apple support tickets are going to get opened or how many, uh, you know, millennials are going to get called by their parents saying, I don't know what's going on with my phone. It's talking, but I don't see anything and I don't know how to fix it because they're going to accidentally swipe something away 
uh, swipe a video away on into the side like they showed and then not know how to get it back. They did. They do. They when you first swipe it over there, you have an arrow that points to it. I don't know how uh, if that arrow goes away or how much notice, you know, there is that, hey, there's something over here. But eh, I mean, you know, with all new good features, some people are going to have to learn how to use them. I guess the thing with thing with picture in picture, uh, I was going to say that you, you know, like on the iPad, whenever you're watching a video, then if you push the home button, then it just automatically goes to picture in picture. Or if you swipe up, I would guess, then it automatically goes to picture in picture. So that's, that's the thing is that, you know, most features people are protected from because, uh, you know, m yes, accidental, uh, split view happens for sure, but you gotta be pretty intentional usually to, to get that to work. So most people don't fall into this, to this spot and be like, I don't know how to get out, but picture in picture is definitely, definitely going to get there, especially because if you throw it to the right, then you're just throwing it away. <laughs> but if you throw it to the left, you're not, you know, you're throwing away the, the visuals, but not the, not the audio. Yeah. And people wonderful. have to, people have to figure that out too. Um, and I think, <laughs> What I love about WWDC is trying to figure out what we're going to, what we're moving to with future hardware based on these software updates, you know, like what's the story that they're not really telling us yet. They, like what can we piece together based on the software stuff that they're telling us? And I think this feature just tells us that bigger phones are probably on the way, you know, I mean, it, they'll work on the phones we have now, like you said, but it wouldn't surprise me if, phones got even bigger and I um I haven't really been paying attention to the to the rumors so I don't know if there's already rumors about bigger iPhones this fall but I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Yeah, the rumors are pretty pretty solid for what iPhones they're going to release this fall. Are they going to be bigger? Any bigger uh, options? The the biggest one will be 6.7 inches, Ming-Chi Kuo claims as well as John Prosser, is that his name? He's new on Twitter and he's been hitting rumors out of the ballpark. Um, but yeah, the, the rumor is a 5.4 inch phone. I will say no more. I will talk about it plenty in between here and now and, and afterwards. But I'm so pumped. Uh, 5.4 inch and a 6.1 inch. And, and the rumor is there'll be two 6.1 inch phones. One of them probably have two lenses and one of them will probably have three lenses. And one of them may have i don't know they'll they'll be they'll be they'll be a 6.1 regular old 12 let's say and then it'll be a 6.1 12 pro and then the 6.7 inch is going to be the 12 pro max yikes big phones um my the things i enjoyed the most out of the ios section so i guess my top thing would be all the improvements that they're doing with um security and privacy in terms of, um, you know, making developers uh, disclose like the, the data they're collecting, the, why they're collecting it, how they're using it, all that stuff's going to be in the app store. Um, they're, they're continuing to evolve and, and do more tattletelling on apps, um, in new ways. You know, last, last year it was the, uh, the Bluetooth notifications, you know, reminding you that apps are using your Bluetooth and trying to 
trying to surface that to you. Uh, I did see some interesting videos on Twitter this week after the announcement. Of course, people already getting on the betas, uh, but it was TikTok that was getting slammed pretty hard initially because it looks like, and I don't know if this is true or not, but the way it's looking when people are using TikTok in iOS 14, it seems like TikTok is just constantly scraping your clipboard. So take take from that what you will. Um, I'll try and post a, video, a, a link to that. But it's just, I, I like this stuff. I'm glad that they're continuing to try and, and surface all of these things and and just at least giving you enough information to make a decision. You might ultimately make the same decision and be like, ah, I don't care, I'm just going to download this thing. But, you know, I mean, it certainly changed my behavior a little bit with the Bluetooth stuff. Because I'm like, why does this app need Bluetooth turned on? Oh, wait, it doesn't. So guess what? I'm not going to let it turn it on because it doesn't need it. And it's not affecting the way I'm using the app. So... Um, I appreciate these things. The other highlight for me, which it wasn't, <laughs> I don't really care as much about it. I think the, the changes they're making to messages, I think are going to be cool and people will really like them. But the, the note I made as, as it was starting to go through about, um, you know, like pinning conversations and being able to do threads within, uh, message messages, both in groups and in single messages. I just, I wrote Slack question mark. And then I wrote Slack period, and then Slack exclamation point. Because it just seemed like every feature they were adding into messages, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's Slack. You know, you got to catch up before you get ahead. You did say that. And then I kept reusing that throughout WWDC because there were other things that they were announcing that I was like, okay, yeah, they're catching up here uh, as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm really excited about widgets. I'm I'm excited about all the home screen uh, new features because to me, the home screen has become just not very useful and it could be so much more useful. Um, like I don't really, I don't really need to look, I'm trying to think of, of how this really works. So I don't have to, so back... <laughs> I won't get it together. Back when iPhone OS, before it was even iOS, back when it started, Springboard, the home screen, was obviously the way you were going to launch apps is you had to go tap on an app and you had to go find it on its page. And if you didn't know what page it was on, well, you had to swipe, swipe, swipe until you found it on its page. There wasn't any search. There wasn't any you know, voice assistant to help you launch an app. So the only way you were going to launch an app, the sole way you were going to launch an app was to tap on its little squircle icon. And obviously we moved away from that with Spotlight. So lots and lots of us, you know, for all the number of apps that we have, we know where some of them are, but then a whole lot of them that we use infrequently, we just swipe down and we search for it. And who knows if it's, it's somewhere between page three and page eight or nine or 10 or however many pages you got. Um, or it's in some folder that we threw it away, you know, that we threw it in long ago. It doesn't matter because we're never going to actually go find where it actually is to tap on its actual icon. And so at that point, I don't really need your icon to be around as long as you're searchable in spotlight. You know, it's kind of like 
it's kind of like my my personal way that I handle email, which is not the way that you handle email, which is that I never delete anything. And I used to try to put things in like organized folders, but then inevitably it gets unorganized. And so then I, I eventually just say, you know what? I can just search for it if I need it because almost all this stuff I'm never going to need to see again. And so it's not worth it to me to organize a hundred percent of stuff so that 2% of it that I need later is so much easier to find when it'd be pretty easy to find it through search and I can just, I don't have to organize any of it and it's still pretty easy to find it in search. So I'm, I'm really glad that they have moved away from such a visual, um, just visually seeing all of your app icons. Um, because what we really want to see is like the actual apps themselves. The app icons just aren't really very useful. It used to be the only way you could launch an app. Now it's the way you launch some of your apps, you know, the ones you have on your home screen and the ones you have muscle memory for that you use frequently. Um, but you know, if you're going to go to spotlight for so many apps, you don't need the app to have an icon really at that point. And then we actually get to use the home screen for something way more useful, which is actual content. And so I'm pumped because to me, it's almost like we got a brand new app because you're, and it's kind of an app that you get to build yourself. Um, and, and it's going to be really, really easy to get to because it's, it's the main screen now. And it used to be the main screen was just a picture of the stuff you have. So you always knew what it looked like. And so that wasn't really that useful. But to me, like this is so much more useful. It's kind of, it's interesting because they got rid of 3D touch recently. But this to me is, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these widgets are the things that you used used to could get to with your 3D touch menu, you know? I mean, you could 3D touch on weather and get current location, whether you could 3D touch on calendar and get what's my next event, you know? Which I never really got used to and many people <laughs> never never really caught on, but it wasn't because that wasn't a good idea. It's just because you know what? Why not, can you just show me that instead of the calendar icon? <laughs> because the calendar icon doesn't do much for me. So, you know, same as the overcast icon doesn't do much for me. Can, can I just have a play button? Because uh, that's what I really would like to do. And so to me, this is minimizing the number of taps to get to information and minimizing uh, to also I mean, to, to cause something to happen on your phone and also just to see what's going on um, in the world, whether it's weather or, or news or could I get a message from somebody or you know, have I gotten that email yet? And just to be able to look at one screen and be able to organize that yourself, I think it's going to be great. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm sold on it yet, but I'm definitely excited to play with it because it, I feel like this is one of those things that you're just not, you're really going to have to play with it some to to see what works best for you. And it's going to be different for every, every person. Um, you know, most people, it'll probably just help them be a little more organized, but I think more power users could really get some benefits out of it. I'm probably more excited about using widgets on iPad OS just because you have more real estate and can, can, you know, put more things on there, um, and move them around. And I, I just think it's probably going to be a little more useful for me there, but, uh, excited to try it out. So let's go ahead. 
Well, can we have move you not to heard I- the bad news about iPod, iPad OS, and widgets? I guess not. And that they can only go still on the left side of screen one currently. So it's, hopefully this is just something they didn't get to in beta one, and beta two will come out, and you know the world will be a sensible place. And on page two, you can put a weather icon in any corner of the screen you want. But yeah, right now. They're only allowing it on the, you know, left half of the first screen, like they introduced last year. I will say that they allow you to stack widgets there um, of the same size. So you could stack uh, a weather and a calendar and a something else. <laughs> and you can swipe, you can swipe them kind of like their, kind of like their photos or kind of like their, like a, their own little page themselves, um, which is nice. But you know what? It'd be really nice to have it on like any page you want and on the right side or on the bottom or on the top. Or It just seems like you built this incredible system where you've got all these different sizes of widgets and you can make them large and small and more information and less information. And you're just going to kind of like cut off your nose to spite your face. I, I just I really hope that it's just a, a beta one couldn't quite get to it. But but uh, beta two comes out and. Like I say, things are things are sensible. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's fixed very quickly because it doesn't. At the make same any time, sense. it's just you know, I mean, you, being an Apple user for as long as we have, you know that sometimes there's no good reason for what they do, and they seem to be like strong in their convictions, and yet you never hear an actual good argument for why you did it that way. So I don't know, anything's possible. Can we move to iPad OS? All right. So the big thing for me, and this was the big, the first big like slack jawed moment I had in, and maybe the only one really, uh, during, during the whole presentation was scribble. I mean, the improvements that they've made to, uh, it, I was just like, is this happening? I mean, this is, this is amazing. And, you know, I, I dabble with the pencil. I, I do a little bit of art from time to time, but I would love to use it more as an input device, you know, just writing and responding to people uh, within apps. And so it just looks amazing. And then they've, they've done improvements to be able to move things around within notes so you can have like whole sections already created and then be able to easily put space be- between it or uh, move it around in a better fashion. It just... It looked really great, and hearing uh, Federighi talk about it today on the talk show is just like, this is gonna be so cool. I'm, I'm pretty sure that I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna put the beta on my 11 inch, and probably not yet on the 12.9 inch, but because uh, I just can't wait to use that and see how it works in practice. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really pumped for this because, to me, a great a great reason to even take notes on any computing device, no matter what it is, is so that it is searchable and savable and easy to reference. And for so long, like I would, some things I would rather kind of handwrite, but I would type them because I wanted them to be formatted a certain way. I wanted them to be easy to find. I wanted to be able to search for them later. I wanted, you know, whatever it may be. And so now to me, like the, they just, this scribble, this scribble feature to me is just so 
fully well done to where you can you can write and just have it turn that into text like you can hand write and have it turn it into text and then you could obviously just use that text like you use any text within iOS like you've always used it in iOS or you can write and have it keep it as handwriting but you can select it and manipulate it just as if it's text you know i mean you could select a word that you wrote and look it up you know to see definition or synonyms or um, one thing I do a lot is that I'll, I'll highlight something and hit lookup so that I can hit the search web option that is in lookup. Um, I just, that, that's, I just do that often enough that it's almost kind of muscle memory. And uh, it's, I mean, it's definitely quicker than copying it and then going to Safari and then pasting it in the, the address par. So, so I love doing that. Um, and, and then th- like the, the slack jaw moment to me, I guess the, you know, my, my jaw went down in like stages over, <laughs> over the course of scribble, but the ultimate, you know, like jaw on the ground was when they took the handwriting, they selected it I mean they highlighted it and then they dra- <laughs> dragged it into a different note. Or I mean, you could even like duplicate that handwriting into a different note. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, it's, it is, it's to me, making handwriting way more useful than it's ever been. And I don't know about you, um, but for me, I have tried to fight the fact that my brain, when I'm thinking about something and when I'm brainstorming, especially like my brain, brains, my brain storms <laughs> so much better when I am, when I am handwriting, um, I think it, it it's just like some little, I mean, if you think about it as like a, a processor, <laughs> um, which your brain is, is somewhat like a processor. It's kind of like if I'm handwriting, I don't really, like I've done it for so long. Uh, it's It's been part of my life for even longer than typing has been. I mean, this may not be true. I mean, I'll, I'll be interested to see if the next generation who has been typing since they were, you know, old enough to handwrite, really, um, or even before they were able to handwrite. Um, you know, I mean, I didn't really start, especially I didn't start typing till like I didn't learn how to type until eighth grade. And so I've got so many more years of handwriting than I do, you know, confident touch typing even, um, which may not be true for the, for the next generation. But for me, I just, I don't have to, like, I don't have to contribute any of the cores of my brain when I'm handwriting, but I feel like when I'm, when I'm typing on a computer, I kind of do have to commit like one of the cores, not, not a whole lot of them, but it's just like a little bit of background processing that I feel when I'm trying to type, type things out and remember all the ideas that I'm typing out. Whereas like when I'm handwriting, I just feel like I can just flow because I can use my whole entire brain to think about what I'm writing rather than how I'm writing it, where I've got to think a little bit about how I'm typing this and, oh, I missed a word. That's the other thing is that when I'm handwriting, you really just can't, you can't really have a typo <laughs> when you're handwriting. There's a, there's a reason it's called a typo, actually. I just, just realized in this moment. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's not called a righto because righto means, means something totally different than a typo. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you just never have to backspace, you know? I mean, there's never a, 
a formatting error. There's never, oh, now I got to figure out how do I do that in Word where I get it to go in like two columns of text. And so, there's none of that. You know, there's not, there's not any, well, how do I indent the bullet? And, you know, I mean, there's none of that. So, but like I say, like I've just felt so like handwriting was just worthless because like, then I got to keep around this paper and then I can't search it. Like I can't control F. So forget it. You know, I mean, this is only as useful as I've got this piece of paper around and I can remember what's on it because otherwise like I got to scan, you know, it's like barbaric. So obviously, did you say, say control F that makes me sad, Philip? It, you know, yes, <laughs> It is what it is. I know, but uh, you should. You know, it's a it's a little dual world that I that I live in. But I I find more uh, when I'm running on Windows. It's it's true. But um, I'm sorry. I mean, I. I was already. I mean, I've been convinced for years that that writing on actual paper is just completely useless for me. I mean, I understand people who like to do that, but I you know I've been taking notes for years now in my notes app for work and for non-work stuff. And anytime I need to go back and find something, I've got notes pinned. I can just go and search. I can hit command F and search. <laughs> and uh, it's just, but this, this update with, with the iPad is just going to make that even better and make it even more um, just open to be like, whatever the best way for you in the moment is to input with these devices you can do it and it's all going to be there and you're going to be able to find it just as easily. I mean, when they, you talked about them taking a selection and moving it into another app uh, or just duplicating it. But when they did that and moved it into like a word processing app and it pasted as text, I was like, what, what is happening right now? This, I mean, this was the number one moment in, in the whole keynote for me in terms of what got me the most excited and, uh, you know, I've, I've been having this love affair with the iPad for a few years now. I mean, you really kicked it off with the iPad Pro, honestly, way back when. The uh, the OG iPad Pro 12.9 inch. Um, but it's just continued and Pencil 2 is so good. And, and this combination is just going to, it's going to be a game changer for people who like to take notes digitally. And I'm just so pumped for it. I can't wait to use it. So, you know, iPad is an interesting, it's an interesting concept, especially because we got iPad OS last, last WW, last WWDC last year, last summer. And it was interesting this time because I think this is going to be kind of the norm, but I wonder if they'll try to tweak it because it was a little, it was a little off to me that they started with iOS and then went to iPad OS and iPad OS. I mean, the pencil stuff, uh, the scribble stuff was incredible, but there wasn't very much for iPad because a lot of the stuff that iPad's going to get is just because it's going to get all this stuff for iOS. So it seems like it would be a better format to start with iPad OS and say, here's the solely iPad stuff. Now, Here's all the iPad and iPhone stuff. Uh, so I, I wonder if they do that in the in the future because I, I feel like that would be a lot, a lot clearer. Um, and 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 I think it would help 
it would help because I, I mean, I've heard some, some folks on uh, certain podcasts say that, I mean, this, this was a great feature, but it was kind of, uh, it was kind of the only real, real feature. Um, and, but it's not the only feature because it's getting all this stuff from iOS, although it's not getting app collections. I don't, I don't understand that either. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. So, I, I mean, I hope that's a beta one thing too, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's not. Um, but I mean, you, you can have a heck of a heck of a lot of iPad apps, just the same as you can have a heck of a lot of iPhone apps and no real rhyme or reason to them. The other thing I liked uh, was them turning search into basically spotlight now. <laughs> I mean, it, it basically functions and looks like spotlight does on Mac OS. And you know what? I'm down for that. Yeah, I did. Um, it, I did like a, a lot of the improvements they made to not having things be quite as uh, not modular, uh, modal, modal, modal being like, here's the one thing you're doing right now is you are, you know, your screen is taken over by a phone call is obviously the canonical example that has made so little sense for so long. Um, now, I, I did hear the best argument that I've heard for why phone calls have been modal for so long, taking over the entire screen and taking you away from whatever you were doing because they, they are so synchronous. Like at that point you have to either take the call or you won't be able to take the call, which is way different than a text message because yeah, you, know, you could respond the next second to the person, but you can, just as well respond five minutes. You could respond five days. You could, you know, never respond and you're still going to receive the message. Um, so I, I thought that was, I had never really thought about that. Um, but I'm glad and glad that they've, they've moved to, you know, a smudge, just a kind of regular notification for, for phone calls. But, but also uh, like you say, with the spotlight that you can still see the rest of your screen, even when you're searching, it's not completely taken over. I'm looking forward to checking this out because they kind of showed it very quickly in, in the keynote, but they showed that you could ask Siri to do something specific, uh, like, like add some things to reminders. And it would kind of just, for one thing, Siri doesn't take over, which that's awesome. Um, it's just kind of its own little part of the screen toward, toward the bottom. And then if it's going to add reminders, it'll just add them kind of at the top. It looks like a notification, but it seemed like they were saying that you could kind of keep that around almost, almost like you're running multiple, like you're visually running multiple apps at once. Um, and so I'm, I'm interested to see how, how much that would be the case because I mean, it'd be great to be able to like look at a website and add things to a reminders list or a grocery list or whatever it may be at the same time, because I mean, it's a common occurrence that you're going between the stuff I want to put into a note or the stuff I want to put into a list of things and the note or the list and back and forth and back and forth. Um, snip, <laughs> snip, snap, snip, snap. Uh, <laughs> you have no idea. You have no idea. It takes on a man. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I'm really, I'm really interested to see how 
how broad that, that feature um, can be used. They did uh, talk a little bit here about AirPods Pro and this new spatial audio stuff. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that, but it just was another um, another one of those breadcrumb things for me where I'm like, okay, what software improvements are they making that are going to speak to us later this fall when they release new products and to me this was one of those things because i know there's been rumors for a while now about like over the ear um you know apple headphones and i think something like this feature would be so much more encompassing and just uh you know just more uh, what's the word i'm looking for more um you know like gets you in the experience I think you that would be better experienced through over the ear headphones than than AirPods Pro even though for what I'm hearing they're great for noise canceling. Um but this was just an, another one of those things where I was like, okay, I see what you're doing here Apple. I think this is really going to be a feature that's going to be even better in future, you know, hardware that we might see this fall. It just occurred to me that that could be very useful with regard to augmented reality. There's a lot of conversation being had afterwards about all the changes they've made visually to Mac OS and to, to try and kind of unify the different OSs and uh, that a lot of these changes in terms of like shadows and transparency and these types of things, getting away from those flat designs because all of this will look better in AR, which, you know, I mean all all things all signs pointing to someday there being some type of apple headset and um you know i think the i think they've been laying the groundwork for years in ar and um it's probably maybe it's going to be like a combination of devices and not just one thing uh to make the whole experience the best it could be uh so who knows man i mean it does kind of seem like this year, they've really been laying the groundwork for a lot of different things, uh, potential AR-related devices at some point included. Well, it definitely could be that if you're wearing AR glasses, then you could really just wear them not so that you see, not, not so that you get visual feedback from the AR system that you're wearing, but so... but that at that point, you're not really wearing a screen, which I think is what a lot of people talk about when they talk about AR glasses is not, then you're going to have not really screens, but probably more uh, projections or, or something like that. You know, something that's, that's visually um, going to be see, you know, able to, you'll be able to see it. But I'm thinking, uh, what, what if, what if it's really that you're wearing these glasses so that you're wearing a, a camera and a LIDAR sensor and, all the different, all the different things that go into AR, but then the feedback is not so much visual so that you're staring into space and looking quite odd, but that, cause honestly, I mean, when you think about this and, and obviously Google glass, um, was what it was and had some, I mean, it was very interesting for its time, but I don't think any. A reasonable person ever thought like, yeah, this is a this is a mainstream thing. Like this this should hit the big time, you know, because it was just so it was so odd, and and it never really never really got any less odd um, to ever see someone. I don't know if you ever watched any very many videos, but it's just 
odd to see someone I mean, you look like you're just <laughs> interacting with nothing. Um, but with with headphones, with audio, like basically I'm thinking, okay, now I'm wearing AR glasses, not because they're glasses so much, but because that's the most socially acceptable way for me to wear sensors. And then those sensors are going to analyze and then give me visual feedback so that I can walk... I like. I mean, the grocery store is kind of the canonical example that I hear over and over again is you'll be able to just like look at shelves and, you know, you'll be able to see like prices next to, you know, every single different item. And um, you'll be able to look at produce and maybe you can analyze and say this, you know, these are the, the good grapefruits and these are the, you know, <laughs> leave those for everybody else who, you know, doesn't have your, your AR functionality. But I guess it, I'm kind of thinking like, what if, what if it's not so much visual because visual um, like I'm going to have to analyze all that information you give me. Uh, I'm almost thinking like, what if, what if I can stand in front of just a whole big row of stuff and then I can just hear like, this is what's on, on sale here. Um, it's not necessarily that I'm going to be like looking at stuff that is not there for anyone else. I'm going to hear stuff. that's not there for anyone else, but that's a totally normal thing. I mean, we have, I mean, ever since the, ever since the beginning of headphones and headphones are obviously as mainstream as mainstream can be. Um, and now even wireless headphones are totally mainstream. So I feel like it's, it's, it's not really going to ever be, I just don't know that it'll ever be socially acceptable to be interacting visually with things that no one else can see, but to be able to hear things is, is kind of a totally different thing, which is interesting because, you know, I guess it's, I guess it's because you, cause I'm thinking kind of the analog to headphones with the ears is if you would wear sunglasses that like you don't, can't see out of <laughs> because like you can't hear other people when you have your headphones in. Uh, and I guess that's the other thing is that you can go through the world a lot easier without hearing things around you versus trying to go through the world in a normal way without seeing things around you is, is a totally different uh, kettle of fish. So I don't know. I, I just have uh, never, I hadn't thought about that much and I, I hadn't really thought about spatial audio in that way. You know, I mean, initially when they started talking spatial audio, I thought about, you know, the stuff that uh, Sony's working on for the PS5, which sounds incredible to me. I mean, I, you know, because I love the sound of surround sound, but I don't want to run wires and I don't want to drill speakers into walls. And so I don't have any of it. Um, but whenever I, whenever I get that experience, I, I love it because to me, it just totally changes uh, the experience of whatever you're watching or whatever you're listening to. Or So to get that, and you know, it makes all the sense in the world that you would, could be able to do that with accelerometers and gyroscopes and and all that sort of stuff in in headphones. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, really cool, really cool things. And I'm excited to see what potential new headphone options might be available uh, later this fall. Um, watch OS seven. We're talking about Apple wearables. Might as well move onto the watch. Uh, anything 
big you want to highlight from watchOS 7? I mean, the, the big thing, I guess, was the, the official Apple-supported sleep tracking now. Yes. Do you sleep track with your watch? I don't. No, I always okay. take it off at night. But, I mean... Well, I don't want to know how bad I'm sleeping right now because I've been playing The Last of Us Part <laughs> Two uh, for uh, almost a week now, and I'm just you know I'm pretty amped up late at night and then can't sleep. But in the future, when I'm not playing this game, uh, you know I'd be interested in in maybe wearing it and um, you know seeing what's going on, and because uh, especially now that I'm not leaving and going anywhere, I've got plenty of time to to get a quick charge in the morning. Sure enough. I, I've been sleep tracking for, well, I say I've been sleep tracking. I sleep track off off and on, but mostly I use I, a sleep track when I have an alarm um, because I use auto wake. So there's some great apps, auto wake and auto sleep. Um, auto sleep tracks your sleep and auto wake. You can set an alarm and you can give it kind of a window and if you're in lighter sleep, then it'll, you know, so if you set a window of like 7.30 is my ultimate alarm, but I'll give you a 30 minute window. And so at 7.05, if you're in light sleep, then it's going to wake you up instead of letting you go into any deeper sleep and then trying to wake you up out of that at 7.30. Um, and I've found it to be, you know, quite, quite good. And just, I mean, a, a, a really simple change that just kind of waking up at the, at the right time um, of, of not of in kind of the lightest sleep that you can be, um, just really has a, a great impact on how I feel, especially like right after I've I've woken up. Um, so I've I've used that a good bit, and I my experience with that is that it's only really it feels only really useful to me as granular as the data may be able to get, and I just I have a feeling that Apple's is going to just kind of be a generic fine sleep tracking and i say that maybe maybe with their sleep tracking more like sleep tracking apis will also come um, maybe they already are i haven't really looked into that and in that case then if it can make other sleep tracking apps better um, then that'd be wonderful but i guess my feeling is sleep tracking's already been possible and to me i, I don't think that apple's is going to be better than third parties um, and so I don't know, this didn't, didn't do that much for me in that, in that case. Yeah. The only thing that really stood out to me about watchOS seven that I was somewhat interested in was just the enhanced face customizations and, uh, being able to have a multiple, um, compl well, it, it's hard to describe this really if, if you're not used to wearing, uh, an Apple watch, but complications being able to have, um, complications of the same app on the same face but in different uh i guess size i, I don't know it was a little a little unclear to me because i'm not, not even really sure how to explain it other than being able to have maybe um the same app on there multiple times uh, having different size complications but maybe showing different types of data depending on what the app is i mean it could be like weather related stuff that i think that was kind of the thing they were highlighting the most um in the examples yeah i i don't know if you caught this um i heard it in a in a podcast later on that developers will now have the ability to basically like make available of a, a face 
based on their app, a face that is entirely just complications for their app. Um, so, I mean, you could, you could basically like have a like calendar, like Fantastical could have a Fantastical face and it could kind of give you an entire overview of your calendar as far as what you have next, how many total meetings you have today, you know, what's ahead, when your first meeting is tomorrow, what the date is. Um, I mean, you know, all, all sorts of, of different things all together. And to me, like, that'd be so, I'm, I think that's going to be awesome on the watch. Um, especially just to have more, um, it's not default, uh, but things that I don't have to build. Uh, like I think face sharing is, uh, face sharing could be great. I, I wonder, um, certainly I could face share easily with like, my wife, or I think with you, I'm wondering if like public face sharing is going to be easy, kind of like shortcuts, um, you know, I mean, are all over, you know, different websites. And I know, you know, Reddit is full of them where you can, I mean, you can just download an entire shortcut and you don't have to build it at all. And now you can, you can run it. I mean, if that's the case, then I, I hope that's, I hope that's the case with face sharing and you'll just be able to go look at, just different types of faces. And I don't know, it's just, it's such a pain to build faces, um, on the watch, let alone, well, on the phone, let alone on the watch on the watch. It's, it's just so frustrating. And I just never, I just get, <laughs> it just takes so long. Um, and I just always feel like, plus like I have, I have a lot of applications and so to to ever pick a complication, it's all in alphabetical order. And so I feel like I'm just going like A to A back to Z to Z back to A to A back to Z over and over and over again. Um, and that's not a great experience. Um, and obviously, I mean, it's, it's better to be able to do it on the phone, but I still just, I still just feel like you never know like which complications, which app has, and do they have it in this size or do they have it in that size? And so uh, I, I think, I think it'd be awesome if public face sharing is, is easy enough that people could, you know, build them and then they're just available. And so you could easily try them out, um, without, without having to actually put them all together yourself over and over and over again. And that's kind of the other thing is that, you know, I kind of find, okay, these complications work for me and I, you know, I, I don't really, it, I'm not going to like, it's not like it's the very best. Like, it's not like I love my watch face and I love the set of complications that I've settled upon, but to create another version of that, but like just slightly different without throwing away the existing one is, is cumbersome. And so I'm just kind of like, you know, it's good enough. So here's my, here's my watch face with my complications. And uh, I'd rather, you know, if it's easy to try out, you know, new, new faces, I'd like to do that. And I think, I think this will make that possible. Yeah. It could really open things up and just having more, I, I don't know what you're like, Philip, but I pretty much stick with the same watch face. I mean, I very rarely change it. Like I'm using the, uh, the, whatever the, the one, I can't remember what it was called, but the big one that has the most modular. Yeah. Um, and I just pretty much stick with it. But if, if there were more curated, and helpful faces that people could create that I could easily add and then be able to switch back and forth, then I would give it a try, but it's probably not something I'm going to go out and just build on my own. Yeah. I, I really feel like, I don't know if you remember glances, 
and I had forgotten about glances. <laughs> uh, but somebody mentioned it, I guess in this in this context this week. But glances on the Apple Watch was their was their second try at what the side button would do, and and it was like a little version of an app, and you could just swipe through them. Um, so different than the dock because the dock is not like live versions of an app and you can't even see the full app, you know, they overlap, but glances, you could have like 10 of them. And so you could just kind of swipe, you know, here's, you know, a calendar, here's weather, here's overcast, here's music. And you could just swipe through them and just see the information. You couldn't interact with it to do that. You would tap on the glance and then wait 30 seconds to a minute to it timed out. And the app didn't load because this was, <laughs> this was back in your, uh, series zero days. Um, but I, I feel like I, like I stick with, well, so I have one watch face that I basically have like most of the day, which has like timer on it, overcast, weather, um, music and the, and the, the date. But then you know, there's like at, at night, like if I use auto wake and auto sleep, you have to have them on your watch face for them to interact with the phone throughout the night and for them to work essentially. So I have, I have one kind of just sleep face that I also have in like red or something. I think, I think red is kind of the best color I've found. I also love that. I mean, I, I say that's one thing that there, that comes along with sleep tracking is this sleep face. I hope that that's an API um, that other developers, developers, developers will be able to tap into. But you know they have this sleep face now that's just really, really dim. Um, because usually I ju- I put it into theater mode um, so that it doesn't. You know I'm I'm not like twisting my wrist at night and waking myself up. You know with a with a bright bright Apple Watch face. So I just put it in theater mode so it won't come come out at all. But definitely in the morning I'm once, twice, or three times going to wonder why, like my watch is usually bad about not coming on, but man, it's really bad this morning. And then finally I'll swipe up and realize, oh, it's because theater mode's on and it's not trying at all to come on when you turn your wrist. So turn that off. Um, but I, I really think it'll be awesome to have like a, I, I think it's going to be easy to have like a workout face and a work face and a home face and a sleep face and a, you know, outdoors hiking face and a going to a sporting event face. I, I think that, you know, the watch like needs to fit itself to kind of the environment to be useful, but it's got to do so really easily because if it's, if it's too cumbersome, because the thing about the watch is that you just, you don't use the watch very often, but it's very, very great to have the few times you use it. Uh, I mean, it's a really interesting technology device in, in, in that way because you use it so much less. Like, I, I, I think it's got to be the least used technology device of anyone that, that has one. And yet, I, I kind of, you know, it, it, it would be such an impact to, to not have it for just these few interactions. And so I, I, really, think, I really think this is a, maybe even a bigger deal than, than I realized initially. TVOS 14, not a whole lot to talk about here other than the two things that I care about. 4K, finally, support for YouTube. And then um, AirPods audio sharing, which is a great feature on iOS, is now 
going to be on tvOS, which I think is probably, well, for most people, it's not going to be more useful. But for me and my wife, who um, sometimes, I mean, we use it quite a bit when we, especially in our previous home where we were watching in the living room, which was close to all the bedrooms, but we could only use my AirPods because of my Apple ID being what was on the Apple TV. But now with audio sharing, we'll both be able to listen with our own AirPods and uh, it'll be great because we'll have both ears plugged in to listen to what's being uh, what's being displayed on the screen. So pretty pumped about that. Absolutely. That's a super feature. I, I missed that. Yeah, I think I don't remember them announcing it unless it was like on some random slide. But I just I'm I'm kind of going through this uh, breakdown of all the different announcements. And I saw it there and thought, man, that's great. I'm, I'm super excited yeah, about that. Absolutely. Something I'm sure that was on the big slide with lots of words. Um where they where they announced third party music services on the on the HomePod, which is great great to have. Absolutely want more and more of that. I you know at first I thought picture in picture would not be that useful on the TV, but the more I think about it, there are lots and lots of times where you know there's something that's ending, and I I just want to I, I want to culminate. You know the whole like if I'm watching a sporting event, it's not that I like need to hear the information and to see the information when they're wrapping up the event, when like someone, you know, time just went to zero, but I also kind of enjoy. And for so many years, you didn't really have a choice. So I guess it's almost like ingrained in me that you need to hear them, you know, talk about, you know, and so this is their record now. And so this is where they are in the standings and we'll see you next time when they're playing San Antonio and I just, and you know, like, I just like to hear that culmination on, I feel like, okay, now the event is over, even though, you know, the event just doesn't quite end when the clock hits zero. There's a little, there's a little, uh, you know, microanalysis and, and that sort of stuff, but I don't need to see that. Like I needed to see the game. And so I'd like to move over and go, okay, what am I going to go to next without, you know, I mean, it's kind of like, like you call it picture in picture. I just call it audio continues is what all this sort of stuff is for me. It's just like, I don't want the audio to stop while I go do something else. And so I'm all about that. You can show me the picture if you want to, but honestly, I mean, they could just, um, like, like for, for YouTube videos, not having picture in picture is not that big of a deal to me. Not being able to continue the audio when you leave the YouTube app is just stupid and I hate it, especially because for so long, way back before they even had picture in picture as, as a a feature anywhere, uh, iPad, Mac, anywhere, then on the phone, you could exit the app, but then you could swipe up to control center and hit play and it would just continue the audio. And so I used to do that all the time. And, and man, it's, it's frustrating to not be able to do that. All right. Mac OS Big Sur. It's the name of, of all names here. And I, I don't know how I feel about, about it, but I guess it kind of is fitting for what they call the biggest changes since the you know, introduction of Mac OS 10, and they even officially moved the versioning to 11 uh, with this with this move here, and a lot of visual changes going on in the OS to seemingly bring it bring kind of some cohesion to all the different OSs. Kind of, they're all just kind of not entirely 
it's not like they all look the same. I think that's too extreme of a way to describe it, but it's like they're all kind of starting to pull even more closer to each other, if if that makes sense. I don't know. Time will tell. I think I'm hoping and I won't be... I'll, I'll, I'll be surprised if there's not a good amount of development. Like I, I just really want there to be the same amount of progress made during the iOS seven betas with regard to just how extreme they took the design. Then um, I just really want to see that for uh, macOS Big Sur because. And I feel like I feel like it's not a bad way to go, except for Apple is just such a, a you know, a black box where we don't really tell you much. We could be working on a hundred things, but we will not mention a single one of them. Uh, we will not even hint to a single one of them. So I feel like if they, I feel like you know they were the ones that did iOS seven. Uh, so. They they experienced that, and I feel like maybe they didn't intentionally do it with iOS 7. I'm hoping they're intentionally doing it here where they just go swing the pendulum, just go extreme, so that then when we bring it back two notches, which will still be extreme, people will feel so great about it. Um, because, hey, it wasn't, it wasn't where it started originally. We listened to you, we got your feedback and we see that you need a little more high contrast text. And I, 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 I think they'll do that, but if they don't, I'm a little, I'm a little worried, but I think they will. Yeah. I'm, I don't know if I'm a fan of, of the visual changes. Um, I mean, it's going to be a while before I see it anyway, unless, uh, unless Gilbert Learning and Media gets a new computer soon, which may not happen as soon as I thought after some other announcements they made. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to... It just it seems kind of a little too jarring, but I'm sure once I get in there and start using it, it'll it'll become comfortable and and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be able to to move with it. But the the um, I had a friend that he didn't get to watch the keynote live. And so afterwards he was like, why did they change the version to 11 based on this? Like they didn't change. He, he was just looking at it. And he was like, they didn't really add much. Like it, it doesn't seem like a big enough change to warrant moving it to 11. And, and I just explained to him, I was like, well, really it's to me, it's more about the fact that once these arm based Macs come out, um, the fact that you're going to be able to run, it's just going to open up Mac OS to so much, right? I mean, they've been doing that little by little with these catalyst apps and, um, they showed a lot more improvements in that area in this keynote. But once these arm based Macs come out, you're just going to be able to run iOS apps and iPad OS apps natively in Mac OS with, with, you know, no, no changes needed. And, like that to me, that's a big enough reason to to change to eleven. I mean, you're completely opening up this ecosystem to all kinds of new software. And I know they they really want. It seems to me like they really want developers to go more of the catalyst route to make it truly feel like it belongs on macOS. But 
I don't think people are going to do that. I mean, people weren't really do a whole lot of developers haven't been doing that in this past year. And, and now that they know, Hey, you know, potentially within two years, we're going to have a lot of arm arm based options. I, I think it's going to have the counter effect. I, I don't, I, I feel like more and more developers will be like, well, this is just going to be good enough. And which is great. Cause at least we'll get those things. But I, I don't know. Like, it seems to me they think maybe we'll get developers in the door, but then they'll see, oh, I should really make it into a Catalyst app so it can be, it can feel more at home on Mac OS. I just don't think people are going to do that. I, I don't, I don't know. It may just be me. So I agree with you initially. And then one of the last things you said was, I think so true, is that one of the reasons why a lot of developers have not yet released a catalyst version of their iOS app is because they don't want to do so until and unless they can design it to be a Mac app and to fit in with Mac OS. But that was in the vein of fitting in with Mac OS 10. And so I, I feel like at this point, I feel like the hesitation of a lot of, of developers to not just release basically their iPad app as a Catalyst app, I feel like that's got to go away because they've changed the design to where it's, it's going to easily fit in a lot more. And even if it doesn't fit in, iPad apps are going to be running unmodified. So I... I mean, I think that creating a Catalyst app if and after you've created a decent iPad app, I don't think that's difficult. I think having it fit in with Mac OS X is difficult because a Mac OS X app and an iPad OS app should look very different if they're going to look at home. But a iPad OS app and a Mac OS 11 app I don't I don't know that there's going to be much of a a difference there and in a lot of cases there's going to be zero difference. So I I I hope that I hope that that gets a lot of developers over the hump and I I think it's kind of Apple's uh because I mean Apple's argument is just like click the checkbox and now you have a catalyst app. And every analysis last year was yeah 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 you click a checkbox and you have a catalyst app but you can't run that on a mac it's an ipad app and that wouldn't be right and apple's just kind of said well like but what if it just happens doesn't it become right <laughs> you know i mean right is might basically you know so apple writes apple writes the history apple decides the future apple decides the present so if <laughs> you know i mean either Either don't give your people anything on the Mac or, or give them something. And we say give them something. And we're, I, they're kind of forcing hands. And I'm, I'm good with that. Speaking of Catalyst apps, they did show off. Well, first they showed off messages and maps and the updates to them. And then they kind of backtrack and were like, oh, by the way, these are Catalyst apps now. Um, which, you know, is great. Uh, because it gets them in feature parity, especially messages. There's so many things that you haven't been able to do in uh, in messages on Mac 
that you you know could do on iOS. Interestingly enough, it's kind of gone a little backwards now too because I think in iOS you're going to be able to search for emoji now finally in messages, which that's been a feature on macOS for a long time. And anyway, I don't know why these things couldn't happen sooner, but they're 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 there. Um, another big thing that stood out to me for for Big Sur was um, more security and privacy improvements in Safari and just <laughs> just all the you know well not not only will they show you uh what all these websites are trying to collect about you but they're going to be blocking all these things too so um you know i've i've been a safari user for i mean really since i moved full time to mac at work i've been full time on Safari since then. So, you know, when I was on PC, I kind of had to use Chrome because then I could sync things between Chrome on Mac OS and, and Chrome on Windows. But I really try, I just don't use Chrome as much. There are a few websites where uh, they don't work as well on Mac OS, probably because they're blocking things. <laughs> I probably shouldn't be using them, but I kind of have to, uh, a few of them. And uh, so anyway, I'm just like I was excited about the privacy updates on iOS, uh, excited about the Safari stuff here as well. And um, anything stand out to you from Mac OS that we haven't already talked about? Of course, you know, we haven't talked about the fact that they're going to start this transition to their own Apple Silicon. So one thing I'll mention is uh, map guides. Um, They said you'll be able to create your own map guides and then all, those will obviously sync um, across across devices which I've been trying out some some apps to try to kind of organize things to do in certain areas and especially to you know find something in an, in an area that you think you're going to go to at some point and try to categorize all that together and keep it uh, organized and easy to easy to access and there's some really good apps um, but they do have some pretty, uh, I mean, not real cheap subscriptions, especially if you want to sync um, across across devices. Um, so I'm really looking forward to to seeing what that looks like, and just to have it within the Maps app itself, because obviously any of these other any of those you know like trip organizing apps, they're under themselves, and then anytime you want to get directions or look at you know anything on yelp or whatever it may be it's got to kick you out and kick you out and kick you out and then you you got to go back but i'll be in you know integrated there within maps i think could be really really neat and also safari you know i think i haven't (laughs) i hadn't really wrapped my mind around how much faster they're claiming it's going to be you know i mean their their claim was of course 50 percent faster than chrome Uh, the shade falls far from the apple tree um they say that every year (laughs) yeah but uh, so they don't i don't think they claim that much and i think the reason they can is because so much time spent by a web browser is spent processing through all these trackers i mean there are 20 30 40 different trackers sometimes on popular sites especially um and so i think just saying no i'm not running your javascript (laughs) and that's that I think I think it's going to be really really quick. I mean, I don't know if if you uh, have run any ad blockers on your iOS devices, for instance, um, but I definitely notice a, a huge difference between 
uh, when I have and when I haven't. No, I haven't. Um, but when you say that, it makes me kind of excited to try it out because, uh, you know, there's certain sites that just, I say it takes forever, but you know what I mean? Like just the slightest delay and you're like, it feels like a, a lifetime when you're on your I phone. Don't and... wait. <laughs> don't make me wait. Don't make me on wait. On to the I'm, next one. I'm sitting at my house. I could just go take a nap. Don't make me wait. You remember, you remember how you couldn't even scroll fast on uh, the first few iPhones or you would just see the checkerboard while it loaded? Mm. I do remember vaguely that pain now that you bring yeah, that we up. Were, we were better, more patient people back then. <laughs> uh, yeah. we, wonder, we wonder why our kids are patient. <laughs> Listen, uh, boy, in my day, you couldn't even scroll a page fast. <laughs> the refresh rate was like 15. And uh, you were on edge. <laughs> don't, 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 don't complain to me about LTE. Those were the dark Because you days. don't have your 5G, 6G, 7G, some more. Now, uh, we said this earlier. Obviously, the for, for well, I don't know, for most people or bystanders just listening in, the probably the biggest announcement was Apple announcing this transition to their own um, chips. Uh, I was trying to explain this to my wife because... She doesn't know any of this stuff, but I was I was trying to explain to her how I'm in this predicament now because I was really gearing up uh, this summer to purchase a Mac Pro for our business, and I was waiting to for for this to really see like how committed either way I was going to be, and I'm just kind of like in a tailspin now because I, I just don't know what to do because it sounds like. I don't want to be on the front end of this, but it just sounds like it's going to be ultimately a really great thing for Apple to just move to their own chipsets. They already do it in their their iOS devices. iPad OS is or the, the iPads are great. They're really fast. Um, you know, they were showing stuff running on on these uh, Macs that that are running on the same processor that uh, is in the iPad uh, Pro. 2020 version and there's a lot of excitement but there's just also a lot of i guess this does stress me out philip you asked me at the beginning do i get stressed out by wwdc this part has stressed me out a little bit because i'm just i don't know because they didn't announce any hardware i mean they did say that they will release apple-based um chips in hardware later this fall but they didn't say what it would be and then they said that the transition overall would probably take about two years. Well, what does that mean, Philip? Does that mean your entire lineup will be transitioned by then? Or does that mean things that are in your lineup now probably won't be in your lineup within two years? You know, like, I'm about to make a, a significant purchase here. I kind of want to know... Is this a good purchase to make when we're in the middle of this two-year transition to all of Apple's lineup having their own chips? I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And I know you don't want to get into this this late, but no, no, no. that's my I'm, predicament. I'm, this doesn't help you. <laughs> this is not, I think, what you want to hear. But some of the things they've shown... With the A12Z, 
versus uh versus today's max have been very impressive and it just occurred to me that in all the incredible speed that they have achieved with all of their system on chips so far they haven't yet until this point had the opportunity to build a system on a chip that can ignore battery life. And I really think when you put Johnny Saruji and his team, when, I mean, when you, when you compare like the processors that Android gets from Qualcomm and the processors that Apple builds, Apple builds more efficient processors that are generally, I mean, darn near twice as fast. I mean, a lot of times, you know, these benchmarks will come out and two or three year iPhones are as fast as the new Pixel or the new Galaxy when it comes to, to processors. And I, I really, I, I don't think that we can really, I, I don't know what limit to put on that sort of innovation when you don't when you aren't as tethered to power efficiency because it used to i mean it used to be that laptops were huge they were thick and they had two or three hour battery lives in large part because they were so inefficient i mean that that is one of the great things about more cores is that you could have lesser uh speeds and still get a lot of speed because you have multiple cores, but lesser speed would help the battery. So basically everyone is predicting that the first Apple Silicon ARM Mac is going to be the MacBook Air. And that makes total sense. But Ming-Chi Kuo is rumoring that it's going to be MacBook Air and iMac. And I, I could definitely see like a MacBook Air in the fall and maybe an iMac in the spring. And I just, I really, I really think that we don't know what we can expect from an iMac system on a chip that gets to be plugged into a wall. I, I, I think, I think this could be, I mean, I think this could be so much bigger of a change than than we really think it could be because a lot of the talk around this change previously is all is very much about battery life and it will bring just incredible battery life to to the laptop line for sure um but i i think when when you basically the way i think about it is that you you know you're balancing things with mobile processors you know you're balancing how fast can it be to how long can it last um, how efficient can it be? And if you can just push the efficient, I mean, it's kind of, it's proportional or inversely proportional, I should say, that the more battery life you want, the less powerful your processor can be. And the more powerful you make the processor, well, you're going to take a hit in battery life. If you can shove that battery life down to essentially zero, I'm really interested interested to see where that processing power gets to come up to. And I don't know. I'm 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 really excited about it. I'm excited about it too. But as a, as someone that would like to buy a computer in the next 
couple months that needs to be a, you know, near silent work machine here in this, this grand new, uh, office slash safe room slash closet that I'm, I'm working in. Uh, I mean, my options really, as it stands now are iMac pro or Mac pro. And I'm not interested in, in buying a machine that's three years old, which the iMac pro is, um, I also am really not interested in in being stuck with the display being a part of 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 the unit because I've I've already kind of moved on to a new display that I I've, I'm enjoying. So I mean, really, it's am I going to get a Mac Pro or am I just going to continue to wait this thing out and see how things change in the fall and see if we get any more hints? I just I don't know if I can wait that long. So I guess what is the resale value of a Mac Pro? I guess that's what I really need to to figure out here is can I get something that's going to hold me over for a couple years, maybe even longer that uh might have a little bit of resale value after that. Uh this is this is my life now, Philip. It's not an enviable position. I I see some parallels to uh my my situation with just like hanging on to this SE, even as I love all the features that keep coming out. And, you know, I almost, almost bought the 10 R at one point because I had just given up on phones ever, you know, the ever bring the size of the phone down. Um, but it looks like they're going to bring the size of the phone down, which means if that happens, I'm going to be happy <laughs> with how it ended up, but it could have just as easily, that they just kind of continue to make them bigger and bigger and don't bring anything smaller out. And I would have kind of regretted not just buying in earlier if that's the way it's ultimately going to have to be. So stuff. I don't know what you're saying, Phil. Are you saying that I should, it kind of sounds like based on the analogy you just used, you're saying I should just wait it out until they eventually cave to my, exact demands and requirements is that what you're saying i'm not i'm not really sure what you're saying it all depends on how how you feel about continuing to use i i I continue to use either your imac or your macbook pro at home it it just depends on like how much of a hit that is because to me, like using my SE, like, yes, it's gotten a little, it's gotten a little slower as time goes on, but it's part of kind of a golden processor generation of the success where I feel like at that point it was kind of like, okay, these are fast. Like, yes, things will get faster, but these are fast. It's kind of like when Intel um, core two duo chips it's like yes 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 things are gonna get faster on and on and on but like these these are fast processors for three or four years um you know it's not gonna be just like dog slow um so and obviously there were i mean there were always things that i still love about the se and always will love about the se so i didn't really hate sticking with the se but I don't know that that's your feeling about sticking with your MacBook Pro or your iMac for 
some number of, of months. Well, part of the other factor is these aren't my MacBook Pro and my iMac. You know what I mean? Like they're they're, they're yours my, to use. They're mine to use, but they're my. I don't own them. Okay, you know they're not mine. I don't my, see how that matters. They're my. Well, it matters because of the time we live in. You know, I have a friend who, uh, you know, through his job was able to to because of the nature of what he was doing, purchase a lot of equipment that he could also then use for side things that he does and he no longer has that job and literally i mean basically everything he was using was tied up in that job and he was left in a really tough spot to not have a job and really need equipment to do his side stuff to hold him over until he can figure out what what he wants to do and so that's really uh, spurred me on to reinvest this summer into my my side businesses that over the last two years have really grown and i think now is the time for me to and i've done some of this over time i mean my 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 new microphone my new recorder that's all mine um which is what i'm using to do a lot of voiceover and all this stuff on the side so i just think it's time for me to future proof myself because in these times that we live in man who knows what the future is 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 going to look like uh, in terms of employment for for any single person? So, just trying to protect myself a little bit. So, I think what you're saying is, Philip, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you're saying I should just buy a Mac Pro. Is kind of what what I'm hearing, even though you haven't explicitly said that or even really hinted at it. That's what I'm hearing. I mean, whatever you need to hear to to live your life and carry on here away. I I don't really. So if it took six months for a bespoke computer to be built for you, if your devices went away and couldn't be used by you anymore, I totally understand your argument. But I mean, you can have a computer to use if the computers you currently have to use are not available anymore in, I don't know, less than a week. So I don't really understand the, the urgency. Well, Philip, the urgency is that I record in this closet now and I'm recording this podcast with you and I don't like fans. I've just really, they're just so much more noticeable now working on this MacBook Pro, which is completely my fault that I wanted to try out this new monitor. Uh, but you know what? I just, as as someone who records a lot of voiceover in here, I, I, I don't like fans anymore. I just really want to, uh, you know, not hear them anymore. Are, are your iMac fans generally quieter than your MacBook Pro fans? Generally, but they've gotten worse They've gotten worse over time. So, um, and I mean, there's just weird, st- like there's a extension that I use for work that I've had to go and kill several times because it just makes the CPU spike for no reason and just weird stuff that I'll hear the fans spinning and I'm like, why are the fans spinning? I'm not doing anything right now. Um, and, you know, it's like, who knows what random thing is I mean, all the apps we use, these enterprise apps, they're all RAM suckers and, and just 
they're just doing weird things in the background sometimes that you just you just never know what's causing it and uh that mac pro man it's real it's real silent but you know it's been four months since we've done a podcast who knows how long it'll be before we do another one you just never know what might pop up in uh the old glm studio in my my closet even if we record in a week that doesn't mean that doesn't mean you won't have a computer by then Fair point.